0: This is CliffCentral.com. dot com. Yeah, baby. Yeah! Yet again, another one of those absolutely fantastic days. Welcome to it. It's unplugged and in charge on cliffcentral.com. Another one of those short hours in the week. We call it that. We call it the shortest hour in the week. It's a power hour, really. And I mean, it's the time where you literally just uh, go by... And, uh, you know, you you, you just listen to something that either is going to inspire you in one way or the other. You're going to learn something. You're going to grow in one way or the other. And that actually is one of the most important things. Now, we've featured many people on this show so far. I mean, the platform has been a great place to grow in terms of knowledge. I mean, I get to really get i i get to to see the world from so many different eyes just because i'm on the show you know it has been the biggest blessing to just have a show like this where I can get to rub shoulders on a weekly basis with people from all walks of life. People who are doing amazing things. People who are successful in one way or the other or are heading there or just come from a major failure where they've learned so many lessons and they've grown from that and they've so they've got so many lessons that they can of course share with us so that we don't have to fail where they have failed. You know I was talking to Small earlier on today and I said You know what? There's this saying that says your network determines your net worth. You guys have heard this, right? But think of it this way. It doesn't always have to mean that these people in your network have to give you money in order for them to determine your net worth. Sometimes them just being able to give you knowledge that took money to acquire is good enough. What is knowledge that took money to acquire? Sometimes it does not mean that they had to pay money to go to university and therefore they acquired this knowledge and now they're sharing this knowledge with you. Sometimes it means that they've lost a lot of money failing in a business, failing in that task, that thing that they were trying to do. And because of that, they now have this extra bit of knowledge, this extra bit of wisdom that they can share with you so that you might not make the same mistakes that they did. One such an example is uh, I have a couple of friends and we decided, hey, how about we get into property? But like in, in terms of actually owning communal properties where, you know, people would be renting from us and maybe that could be a passive income and so on. And normally these things from the onset they always look like such great ideas you're thinking yeah man i'm gonna do that i'm just gonna jump straight into that and i'm gonna make my money but there's so much that you don't always know of before the time and there's there's always quite a lot that you can learn you know by checking out guys who've actually already gone through that finding out what they've done to get to where they are so that you can maybe even avoid some of the mistakes that they did so that you don't have to fail in the same ways that they've done. I I was saying that I have an example. So I have a chat with a friend of mine. He's an in, in into um long-term investments and investment portfolios and things like that. His name is Tabiso. And he tell he I, I, I just hinted this to him that hey, I'm I'm thinking of collaborating with some guys and going into this field. And then he says to me Yo, I think it's a bad idea. Why? And he says, no, I have a friend who is in that field and he crashed and burned after he had so many properties. And I'm thinking, whoa, really? Because everyone always says that property is such a safe bet. And he gives me his contact details. And last night we had a long chat, me and this fella that I've never actually met before. But because somehow he is in my network, I can you know leverage of his knowledge that took him a lot of money to acquire you know because he had to to lose a lot of money to know what he knows right now what did he do what is his story well here's now how you can actually make millions even though you don't have millions right now listen to this this is like some really really cool story so he was a student renting a place and just you know a commune that type of vibe and uh He decided, hey, it would be really cool to own a commune one day because I can see my landlord makes a lot of money here. And I think that he probably started doing this while he was a student or just as he finished um, his, his degree. So maybe just as he graduated, he approached someone who already had a property and he said, hey, can I rent your property from you and turn it into a commune? I'll handle all the commune duties and all that type of stuff. I'll just pay you a rent fee, almost like I was just renting here. And that person said, okay, cool. No, you can do that. And that's pretty much how he kicked his business off. He didn't have money to buy a property. The bank wouldn't allow him, you know, um, all that money straight from the onset, especially in prime places like Hatfield and so on, where buildings really cost millions. Even if it's just a, a rundown house, it would probably still cost a million. So, He didn't have the millions, but he definitely had the words because that's all he used. Someone allowed him. They made a little contract. Then he got students to come and live in his commune that he had divided himself. Now, in the space of four years, he went from just that one commune to having 200 beds that he was Managing. Imagine 200 beds. Now you can make a simple calculation. If, let's say for argument's sake, we, let's deal with modest figures. Let's say people were only paying 2,500 rand per room. Two, multiply that by 200, you realize that this guy was making about 500,000 rand. Well, that was the turnover anyway. five thousand five hundred thousand rand a, a month. And then you have to multiply that by Twelve to understand that he was in the bank clocking just about six million rand a year <laughs> wow and uh that of course is something that that took him not not having properties or anything like that just having agreements with people that do and that's how he made his money now obviously he has his downsides to this as well because it's not easy to handle 200 people. I mean, imagine it It feels like you're handling a hotel, but not everyone lives in the same building it, it, because it's these many different ones and they're everywhere. Some students hit the wall and they crack the wall because they failed the test and now you have to repair that. And, well, it's those drywalls, you have to understand. It's not like these hulk kids or something. It's the drywalls. So it's quite easy to to punch a hole in that if you wanted to. And sometimes it's house break-ins. You know, those unknown unknowns. Things that you didn't plan. Those things sometimes pop up. And now these are Expenses you didn't think of and now they pop up as well. And if it's not uh, a break-in, it is, um, he, he told me about, um, drains being blocked, you know, and now you have to get a plumber over and then you need security because you didn't think that you'd have so many house break-ins in a single season. And the other thing that we normally don't think about is the fact that students are only around for 10 months, not for 12. And sometimes they want to d- dip out You know, in November or something And now you're left with December There's no one And January sometimes there's no one Or you're not operating at full capacity So these are the other unknowns We didn't think of the fact that What if we don't get full? What if students don't want to be there for 12 months And they only pay for 10? What if some students have stories And they can't pay for some reason? And now you're going to take the story And then, you know, one month Turns to the next month And then But you still have landlords or maybe you still have the bank and you need to still pay them. They're not going to listen to the story. Are you now going to be the heartless person that locks the kids out and throws them out? Or are you going to try and listen to their stories? And if you are going to be nice and listen to stories, you might be left with having to pay from your pocket now instead of this thing becoming passive income like you thought it was going to be. Shucks. So these are the unknown unknowns that this guy was starting to face. He had 200 people calling him, this side, that side, that side. He had to send out quotations and invoices to people. Okay. Yeah. You have paid. Here's a proof of payment. Uh, we've received your payment. And, ah, oh man, he didn't have a, a system in place, you know, who would handle all this admin. If you look at having something like OC Rental or Yurkor or those type of companies, normally what happens there is these guys handle that admin for you. And, I mean, this is something that he didn't know at the time. And some of us, you know, we get into whatever business we're into because of the little knowledge that we have about it from our little universe where we live. But there's so much more to know about that industry. And it's important that you find someone who's already there or maybe someone who who is very successful in it or was successful and didn't quite make it and then you learn from their mistakes before you start making any because it's pretty expensive to make the mistakes if you learn from someone who has made the mistakes already guess what they've paid for the information already now they're going to give you the information for free and i think in that way your network determines your net worth you know, you, you could save so much money by learning from guys who've already gone through those things, who've already burnt their fingers in those particular ways. And in that way, you're making sure that you're not going through the same type of stuff yourself. And I think that's important. It's important not to to just dive into something emotionally without looking at the numbers, without doing your research. And as I said before... I don't know if you are listening to the podcast. We had a, a couple of, a couple of weeks ago. Maybe it was in fact a couple of months ago with Gatle Omalaji and we were talking about the fact that there's, there's the best, best case scenario. And that's normally the one everyone plans for the best, best case scenario. Then there's the worst best case scenario. Yeah. Some people think, okay, cool. Look, if you want to be, you know, if, if you want to, make sure you got all your tr- your tracks covered let's also look at the the worst best case scenario but most people miss that there's also the best worst case scenario now there are people who say okay i'm a, i'm a pessimist sometimes nyana so i want to make sure that i've covered even that one but There's also the unknown unknowns. That is the worst, worst case scenario. Like you never saw this one coming. It just hit you from the side and then you got shipwrecked. Because... This friend of mine, which I met yesterday on the phone that I've never really met in real life before. We had one hour and 20 minutes on the phone together talking about his business, his approach, what he could have done differently. And, you know, him just, you know, sharing all these ideas and all these um, philosophies of what he did, what, what approach he took and how he could make it differently. Now, here's what he didn't see coming. You see, if you look at the market of Pretoria, let's say Hatfield in particular... So 10 years ago, a decade ago, there was no how train there, okay? There was no um new developments. I mean, the this, this square was still there and uh, it had a lot of social life going on and parties and clubs and things. And people thought that's the way it was going to be forever. In fact, uh, this thing of thinking that that's the way things are going to be forever, it's like linear thinking. Line- a linear line is like a straight line. It moves, you know, it, it has it's very predictable in terms of its gradient its angle like if you just follow it it will probably look the same way and you can kind of trace where it will be even you know a couple of steps from now because it doesn't go that far from where it originally started but the difference is something that's different from linear is either exponential or hyperbola or in fact other types of graphs as well. But Vusi Tembeguaya wrote this book called The, The Magna Carta of Exponentiality and in it, mainly the thing he was saying is that life is not linear, but people seem to assume it is people think that What is today will be tomorrow And what was yesterday will be today And tomorrow And they think that if there is a square And there is this and there is that It will be like that forever So with this guy, pretty much the same thing Hey, let's do the commune business Let's do it in this particular way And it will stay this way forever But now, here's what happens Okay, so there's the new developments of the the Hau train comes, and uh, a couple of new developments come around the area. The Chinese come and they decide you know we 're going to build res publica we 're going to buy the square, change that whole thing up. no more clubbing we 're going to build uh, accommodation for students before there was a huge need for accommodation that all the students were fighting for you know for a limited amount of of rooms in terms of accommodation was an accommodation crisis now came all these billionaires and millionaires and they built these huge they look like hotels these huge flats they beautiful and they've also made them affordable and everything and sharks now there's huge competition now the students are spoiled for choice guess what the prices plummet. Prices go down, meaning that students can now pick where they want to stay and they're the ones that determine the price. Now, the owners of the communes and the accommodation and so on, they no longer have the buy, the, the say over their own product in terms of how much the product is going to be worth. And all of a sudden, the guys who are in the lower part of the the chain start to miss out on the pie because… Here comes a big player like Nesfas. It makes a deal with, um, with the, the University of Pretoria and these millionaires, billionaires who own these, uh, these, these apartments and things and they decide we're going to Let the university pay for the accommodation So the students can actually live there for free And then the university will claim its money from NESFAS Wow Lovely three way triangle Amongst millionaires and billionaires And all the little guys Were left out of that equation All of a sudden Now students didn't need to worry about You know How much the place is Or anything like that Because it's part of the bursary And they can just all fill in And fill up right there And Now, the competition is, you know, skewed and these guys didn't see that coming. Nobody saw that coming. And that is another one of those exponentiality type things where Something just hits you from the side and you never saw that coming. And that's why it's always important to like reevaluate your market. Yes, it was great when you entered, but just keep on doing something called, um, environmental scanning. That's the word in the, in the, if you look through the textbooks, they call it environmental scanning. And it's actually very, very important to check that out because every now and then you need to make sure that, you know, is the environment the same as what it was when you entered? And Every now and then, update yourself with what's currently happening in your market so that you know when is a good time to exit, when is a good time to expand, to upgrade or something like that because what ended up happening with this friend of mine that I met over the phone in a one hour and 20 minute conversation is that he started losing money. Students started leaving his place and going to live in better places for the same amount of money. and. All of a sudden, he has no tenants, but he still needs to pay his landlord. All of a sudden, he's getting house break-ins, but he still needs to pay the landlord. All of a sudden, some of the students are not paying; they're disappearing. And oh man! And he got 200 of them to to manage. He had the the known problem, but then he now he had the unknown problem of a new rival that is. Ten times bigger with more money comes into the game and they really just suffocate smaller guys imagine if you 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 know you you you're handling 200 people at some stage and your phone is buzzing heavily and because every every now and again there's something that needs to be attended to and all of a sudden you know now you're in debt now you're losing money you have to sell things give things away and it's just bad 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 so lesson from his side is you know a couple first of all learn to see the environment every now and again assess it see where you are make sure that you're always up to date in terms of how things are going so that you never see yourself in a bad position and also not only that but also Put the right systems in place. You know, don't dive into a business idea just because it's a great idea without necessarily also having the business side of things checked out. That's also really, really important. And other than that, the other thing that, of course, becomes important is also just uh having a proper plan, having a proper team around you and making sure that everything is always working out the way it should. Yeah, that's what I learned from him. We're going to be talking uh, to uh, a gentleman in a short little while. He's uh, done exceptionally well for himself. I checked out a CV a while ago, and he's really, really accomplished. He's done so many things all around the world, uh, especially in that little part of the world that he operates in, from a different country altogether, and, uh, and made from a special type of fabric that it really makes successful people what they are. We're going to talk to him right after this this is cliffcentral.com ah waking up in zimbali what a feeling i actually never been to zimbali before but you know what nowadays i've got different dreams i don't want to wake up in zimbali i want to wake up owning some properties in zimbali yeah that that's where i'm at right now man I, i'm on that i want to own some buildings in zimbali we're taking the land back just like that you know wow but it's a really cool thing though um in fact, uh, that, that song right there, A-Reese Zambali, that's actually my most played song in my own playlist on my phone as well. I got like tw- 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 25 most played songs. And you can kind of guess what type of guy I am by listening to these songs. Cause I'm, I, I let songs hype me up. Like I use songs in the gym to hype me up. I use songs in the morning to just, you know, get my energy in the right space. You know, that's what I use songs for. And, uh, most of the time, it's always, you know, songs that are, you know, either just encouraging me in some way or the other, or just getting my energy levels in the right place, and that's pretty much what I use music for. And uh, in my top ten, for instance, let me count here: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Cool. So here are the songs that are in my top ten. I'll just say this like a, as a random thing. Cool. Let's start with number number ten. Number ten is a song called "Hype." by Drake. Okay, you'll understand after this that I'm pretty much a Drake fan. Cool. So, number 10 is hype. While the songs that didn't quite make the cut, I'll I'll also mention the songs that are just just almost there. So, in number 11 is um um what's that song called by um this is War uh, War Ready Yes, that's what it's called By Casper Your Vest Right before that one It's The World Is Yours by A.K.A And then before that It's Sim Dope by A.K.A But now going back into the top 10 Number 10 was Hype by Drake Number 9 is Free Smoke Also by Drake uh, Number... That was 9 8 is Grammys by Drake as well They're going a Grammy You know what I mean And then uh, after that one it's rockets now this is lion babe it's a really cool song not it's actually one of the only really chilled songs in this in this top 10 right after that it's i want it all by cooly china and aka and pro really dope song yeah it's just you know when you listen to that song and you just realize that back in those days these guys were just, just breaking into the industry the way they wanted to, but they still had no idea of where they were gonna be, you know, guys like AKA, I mean, did he know at that time that he would be as Deep into this as he is now and, and be as successful as he is now. Not really, but he was very hungry and things were starting to show, you know, and, but at the time still, I mean, he had a, a song titled, I want it all, you know, and that, that's the right type of determination to have when you're going in for your dreams as well. All right. One, two, three, four, five. Now in the top five, in number five is Jay-Z. Uh, he's also featuring, uh, Damien, who is, a uh, um, you know, um, the, I think from what I hear, I think it's like a Bob Marley type of kid. I think Bob Marley's son or something like that. But the song is called Bam. Oh, that song also another one of those songs that just gets you in the right mood, man. It gets me focused. It gets me feeling like, yeah, I'm taking on the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm sure you've heard that song before. Bam. And then in uh, number four, it's uh, 10 fingers by aka Anati man last year i was just jamming to that song like as soon as it came out i think i jammed for the whole year uh, on that song as well really really great song also another one of those great ones and in number three casper your vest and this one right here is 428 i really think that people are sleeping on 428 428 is such a banger but especially again for me the type of When I looked at his music video for 428 and I just thought, wow, look at him. He's like traveling the world. You know, there's this scene where he opens the curtains in this fancy hotel, I think in New York or somewhere, where he just like pushes the curtains like with all his... Power and then they literally just wah, Open up to this panoramic view Beautiful view from the hotel I do that every single time No matter which hotel I go to I try to have that moment in the morning Especially because then you know You see the light, you You see uh, the sun coming up and you see the area very nicely. But sometimes in the evening as well, especially if it's a place with a nice view. You know, when I was in China, I did that. When I was in, in uh, Maputo, then uh, in Mozambique, I did that. And even around here in South Africa, any hotel I go to, I get that Casper your vest feeling and I just push them open. And I feel like, yeah, young lot though. You know, he actually says, young nigga lot though, But I was trying to be you know clean and stuff like that anyway and the number two is duck duck shibbles shibbles guys that song is still the song though you know what i mean for me though especially uh such an energetic song to think that that's the song that made his career you know it, it it really put him where he is right now and and um everything else has just been you know Him pushing on from the momentum that that song gave him. I mean, a song like that, you make one song. Who are you to make one song on your first album and think you can take on something that no one else has taken on before? You know, trying to fill a stadium and then it, well, first a dome and then it works. And then to use that same hype, that same following and then just build on it to make your... Previous impossibles become your today's probables. You know, today, Casper wants to fill a stadium and he hopes he will fill it up to at least about 80,000. But there was once upon a time where 20,000 was a dream. Now he's sitting on at least almost 80,000. Do you guys understand how crazy this is. Like in a space of three years, you start off with something that was totally impossible. Everyone else thought you were crazy. You do it and you get it done. And then the year thereafter, you attempt double that. People like, okay, now you're really ambitious. And guess what? You almost get that done. You fill it up to like 90%. And then the year thereafter, you say, I'm going to dwarf even what I almost didn't do the previous time. I'm going to go for 90 a thousand, but obviously I just want about 70 or 80,000 people there because I'm not, I'm going to use a certain part of the stadium. And people think you couldn't even fill up the, the, the previous stadium, the Orlando stadium fully 100%. How the hell do you think you're going to do it now? But every single time it's as if this guy is crazy enough to jump off a cliff and then next year the cliff's even higher and the year after the cliffs even higher but every single time it's a f- safe landing and i think we're learning a lot from a guy like Casper Newquist in that regard in terms of just going after your dreams and just you know make sure that you do it jump who knows you might make it and if you don't make it then you'll learn and guess what the next time you try you can try from even higher because you, you you're you just getting better you're getting smarter you're getting you, you you're always improving one way or the other and i think that's what i learned from him and that's pretty much why i like the song so much also because it it signifies all of that you know anything that he has right now once upon a time he was a guy making doksha beleza and Kusheshe, and he didn't even have a kushese. he was he had a taz and he you know, and he was talking about how he wants to turn that Taz into a Bima. And wow, And look at him today, man. He's, you know, he's chilling with Bentleys today. And it's possible in our lifetime, guys. It's, there's no trick. It's possible in our lifetime. You know, when I was in, in in China, I looked at life and I said, wow, guys, you know what? Anything you want to do in South Africa, do it. This place is small. South Africa is small. I know when you are in South Africa, it feels like it's big. It feels like, Ish, how where do I even start? But actually, you know, if you if you think you're big in South Africa, it's equivalent to being big only in one city in China. China has got like a billion people, more than one point three billion people. South Africa only has about sixty million people. That place has a billion. It has a thousand million. That's a billion. A thousand million, ha, ha, ha. guys! It it is packed. There's too many people there. And if you are big in China, imagine how big are you really? Yo, if and I mean one city, one city, not even a province. One city, like Beijing, has has just under, just a little under what South Africa's entire population is. But that's just one city there. Now imagine that. You, 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 you big in South Africa or you claim you just have 30% of the market share of South Africa and you want to beat yourself in the chest and say, yeah, that's a great achievement. But actually that's like having a percentage of only a city in China. Let's start thinking bigger. Let's start wanting to serve, solve the world's problems. That's how we become Zuckerbergs and, and Elon Musk's and, and gates, you know, not just trying to solve a little, a little village's problem, or just your town, or just your city, or just your province, or just your country. Man, like, and and you hoping to to be as big as those guys? Wow, guys, we we need to start imagining even bigger, and we need to stop letting the small universe that we live in dictate how big our ideas or how how big our visions are or how big our dreams are or what we think is possible for us i'm not saying start big because obviously you can't start big you know you have to start small and grow it but at least even if you're not starting as big as you know as elon musk or something but at least have it somewhere in your mind that one day that's where i want to be One day that's what I want to achieve. and That's where I want to go with it. And that would be a really, really amazing thing if you can start to think like that. On the line, I have a gentleman who's achieved quite a lot. I did mention that I was going to have a chat with a gentleman who's uh, made out of the right type of material, man. Cut out of the right cloth. The success cloth. Is what I can call it. He's done so many, so many amazing things. His name is Bruce Chapman. Um, Bruce, are you on the line right now? I'm trying to get Bruce on the line. And, uh, any moment now, Bruce. Okay, cool. While we're still trying to get Bruce on the line, I'll just read out, um, just a little bit about his career. So, I mean, everything started a very, very long time ago for Bruce. Um, and uh, it stretches back to i mean times like nineteen seventy one uh but I'm sure there's these yeah he here um nineteen seventy one there are things that he was doing even back in those days, but I think Hello. from yeah, Bruce is finally on the line, Bruce, how are you doing Bruce, can you hear us? okay, we just uh trying to get Bruce on the line right now, Hello. just. Yeah, we, I can hear you, Bruce. Can you hear me? Hello, Bruce. Hey, Bruce, can you yeah. hear me? Yeah. Um, hello to you too. <laughs> hey, it looks like it's a challenge getting Bruce on the line. So, yeah. um, so Bruce, for instance, has started, uh, uh, um, from what I can see here a trainee manager at Leicester Holiday Inn in the United Kingdom. This was around 1976. But, you know, he had some stuff that he had done even before that time. But listen to this, guys. And then from that, it was assistant food and beverage manager at Hotel uh, Holiday Inn in East London, South Africa. Then, um, 1977, it went on to be... Uh, um, uh he went on to be the front office manager and deputy manager at uh, Balville's in South Africa and then from that it i mean it Bruce's career really doesn't even stop there 1982, Deputy General Manager at Mill Park Holiday in Johannesburg, South Africa. Then 1982, General Manager at Valcombe, South Africa. 1984, General Manager at Ho- Holiday in Funnaville Park. Hey, Funnaville Park, that's where I'm from, my bro. 1988, General Manager Holiday Inn in Petersburg. Then 1992, General Manager Holiday in Garden Court a Wilderness in South Africa. And it doesn't even stop. 1994, General Manager of Su- Southern San in Lusaka in, Z- in Zambia. And then from 2006 till now, Managing Director of Southern San Maputo in Mozambique. Wow. Quite a lot to this gentleman's resume. And of course, this has been a long time coming. And it's a, a long chain of events. It, and it just shows that that's how success works. You know, you don't just wake up and you got it. But you you know, it's years and years of building on your, on your profile, on your career. And it's also character. You need, you know, you need to stay with a certain type of character to be able to see yourself grow the way Bruce just grew. Bruce Chapman, are you on the line? Hey, Bruce. Hello, Bruce. Hey, Bruce. I think Bruce cannot hear me right now. So, um, we'll just have to, uh, hand that over to our technical team and they'll try and sort it out. Ah, man, I was really looking forward to having a chat with Bruce, and uh it looks like we might not be able to, but uh, the guys will still, you know, try to fix that, and we can see if we can have Bruce on the line. Cool. While they're still trying to sort that out, guys, you know what? I'm actually thinking of writing a book. Well, I'm actually in the process of writing a book, because... All of the knowledge that I just learn from being on this show. And I'm sure you guys feel like writing books too because of the knowledge that you guys also learn from just being on the show, learning so much from different people. And I, you know, I I find myself being wiser and wiser, getting wiser and wiser as the time goes on. You know, I, I, I learned quite recently that sometimes we fail because we fail to ask. We need to be better askers. You know, we need to become better askers of the things that we want in life. We fail to ask, and that sometimes is the biggest reason why we don't have the things we want in life. What do you mean by failing to ask? Well, sometimes we fail to ask in the t- in, in the simple terms, like just going up to someone and asking them for advice or for help in that certain thing that you're trying to do. But sometimes it's not only that, but... Not having a list of goals. Well, you're not asking yourself even. If you don't have a list, goals, what exactly do you want? You know, how do you want help if you didn't ask? You don't ask and you want help. It's not going to happen if you don't ask for it and be, and be, be detailed about your goals as well. Sometimes we're not very detailed. Do do, do you have exact details about your goals? And that way, you're really asking for something in detail. Let me imagine I say, hey, could you please help me? And you think the next question you'll say, what do you want help with? Well, if you didn't say what you want help with, how could you possibly expect the help? Right? So being someone that is detailed about what you're asking is also something that's critical. Okay, what else? Well, it is also, does your goals have a time frame that you've set for them. If you fail to ask for the time, then guess what? You're like, hey, could you at some time help me with my homework or with my project? When? Well, I don't know. I I guess I didn't say. Well, if you don't say, how will we help you on time? So even when it comes to your goal, if you have no time set for it, Or, or, you know, time frame and how you would like these things to unfold that you want in the detail that you wanted. How will you actually have them realized? You need to have exact times or in fact, even if it's not exact times, but just some sort of time frame, like in the next three years, this is what I want for my life. In the next five years, I hope to see myself here. This is what I want to do to get there. And this is the detail of where exactly I want to see it. And it's not only about the time frame, but it's also sometimes that have we identified mentors, people that are already successful in those things that we want and that we can just follow in their footsteps and get to where they are? Or in fact, they can help us see the right direction. Have you even asked the mentor? Maybe you've seen one, but you have never asked one. Yeah, failing to ask is sometimes one of the reasons we are not where we want to be or don't get there fast enough. Become a better asker along with your hard work. That's pretty much what I'm saying. And have faith as well. Faith without works is worthless, says the good book. Okay, that was just one little page from what I hope to be my book one day. Hmm, what do you guys think? I got a good book. Yeah. Well, I'm still trying to get Bruce on the line. Did I'm we manage? Becky, I'm here. Hey, we got Bruce on the line. Bruce, I was stalling and waiting for you to get on the line, man. How are you doing? Yeah, 100%.
1: I'm not sure what went wrong with the telephone communications today, but we're here. Excellent, That's excellent.
0: I'm just ha- happy that you are. Oh, all the way in Maputo. Yeah. Great stuff. You know what? Ah, uh, I know it is. You know why? Because I came to Maputo. You guys invited us out. We were there. We enjoyed Maputo and, uh, and as well as, um, you know, just, just everything about it. It's summer in Maputo right now. It feels like it anyway from how it feels like in South Africa. The temperature here versus the temperature there, I think it's summer all the way that side.
1: No, not, not quite. But we <laughs> do have a very mild winter. <laughs> To
0: parts of South Africa. Yes, I think mild is not even the word. You have a pleasant winter uh, compared to what South Africa has, especially around here in Joburg. I think if if a person were wise, they would get a holiday house in Maputo for for the winters of South Africa, and then they can come back here in summer. Because you guys have a really hot summer, don't you? Yes, we do. It's,
1: it's a little bit like your bourbon heat. It's quite humid. And we get the rain, showers, and thunderstorms.
0: Thunderstorms course, as well. The
1: mm. best climate here, I find, is during the winter months. Uh, mm. It's been a great month here. It's a little bit chilly in the morning and late at night. But uh, fantastic weather we have here in Northern
0: yeah, excellent stuff. Well, look, Bruce, I was actually chatting about your, your career just a little earlier on while we we're still trying to get you on the line. And, um, my goodness, I must compliment you on the long journey that you've taken. I, I have it here starting from as early as 1973. I don't know if it starts even earlier or oh, in your book. How, how, what age did you start in uh, the um, hospitality industry that you're in right now? You
1: can actually say about Fifteen, when we were at school,
0: mm-hmm.
1: to earn some pocket money at weekends, and that we used to go and learn how to wait on tables at a local pleasure resort so been in, in Northamptonshire. Wow, with lots of weddings and functions. And it was great fun, it was a, a way to earn money, and you know, along so with the newspaper rounds and stuff, pocket money and all that. Mm. If you didn't do those type of jobs, you got no pocket money.
0: Yeah, so this was around the time where you were still living in the United Kingdom, is that correct?
1: That's correct.
0: Mm. So you start off, you're about 15 years old, waitering at tables, making some extra money on the side, but in this process you're learning about customer interaction, you're learning about um, all those, you know, the basics of hospitality. Basically, I said
1: to myself, I can go anywhere in the world, because obviously, you know, type of career that you can go anywhere in the world and that uh you know i can't be replaced by a computer mm. if you go to, to world wars and stuff the pubs were open the restaurants were open the hotels were open wow so you always have a job always have a job
0: mm. that's actually something interesting and in, 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 even in the approach in which that you in which you took to go about it and uh and but in this journey Somewhere along the line, you decided, okay, now this is really where I want to be. You know, there's there's times where you're still doing it as a as a side thing. I can imagine while you were still in in um in uh, in high school and so on, it was just something that you were doing on the side. But eventually, you decided, okay, I think I've looked at all my options and this is really what I want to do. And when was that for you?
1: That was after I just finished my uh, O levels and I decided that. Uh, I wanted to learn how to cook. Mm. My first job in actual fact was, was doing fitting uh, and gills, a technical thing, which is basically learning the you know, basic skills, learning to make the various sources, chopping up vegetables. And I just took it from there. I just think that every day is so different in, in our hospitality industry. It really is different. And, well, I'll be honest with you, That it's something I've always enjoyed. Uh, it's just hard work. And, and, and I think that if you enjoy your job, you enjoy life. Wow. Uh, and I've been very, very lucky and very privileged. I've worked with wonderful people. And uh, I really feel blessed. For
0: that sort of thing. You're actually very, very right. If you enjoy your job, you enjoy life. Because sometimes, actually, you you have such a demanding job that you spend most of the time working. Uh, I, I within your life itself, you you spend the you know the evenings sleeping at home, and you spend so much time working that you might as well get a job that you actually enjoy, because that's the only way you will actually enjoy your life.
1: I agree one hundred percent. As I said earlier, every day is different. You know, I've hosted host president at the state and uh, I, you know, I've lucky enough through hosting uh, the. Uh, First Lady of the United States. Wow. To go to the White House, which is which is great. And uh, we've also hosted royalty here, and, uh, and, and it, 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 it's just wonderful to have that experience and, and, and to be with just different
0: people. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Now I was in Maputo myself. You know, we we learned so much about the the cultures of the people there. Um we the diversity and the you know the living conditions of of the average person and also, you know, how that relates to south africa and i i felt i feel like it's right around the corner. more South Africans should be saying, "Hey, man, I could just hop over to to mozambique you know it's it 's right there you serve on the on the tourism on the tourism um the uh, you know the the turn uh, i don 't even know what to call it organization fraternity i don 't know what's the word or board but uh, you 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 you're involved there you're also involved in, in um you know um Toho San's um, uh, establishment with uh, the stay easy in Maputo and and so on. What what do you think the the the, um, the call should be really to, to you know to the average South African in terms of, hey man, know your neighbors.
1: Yeah, I just think that if you if you actually living in South Africa and you need to put your toe in the water, Mozambique's a very good place to do it. You know, you are from Durban to drive. New suspension bridge will be open later this year. Drive from Durban to Maputo to over four hours, and Johannesburg from Johannesburg to Maputo mm. seven hours, depending on the traffic. And I think it's, you know, to, 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 to venture. Yes. To go further afield. I think this is a wonderful opportunity.
0: The it's way. a great adventure, too, I must say. And there's now that new road that's being built that will connect Maputo and Durban, isn't it? Yeah,
1: that's correct. And, and uh, it's it, I, I, I went across the other day in actual fact, and the road is, is, is tied all the way down now to through the, through the border, so that helps, and uh, that only progress. And, and, and also, uh, except that you don't have to go through Stargate, it means you can come direct from South Africa into, into the
0: Yeah. Well, Thank you so much for having a a chat with us uh a Bruce um, Bruce is the managing director of the Southern San Maputo in mozambique i mean they they're doing really really well there He's also um starting in April he became responsible for the stay easy in Maputo as well i mean this this is something really big because i mean uh, he's responsible for about uh thirty million u s dollars refurbishment that has happened around that uh, southern San Maputo area one hundred and eleven rooms it's it's big and it's quite a lot of hard work and you can see you can get to that level even if you started off you know being a waiter at the age of 15 and if once you decided that that's your career and you work really hard you can be where bruce where bruce chapman is today thank you very much bruce you're an absolutely amazing example 100%. and
1: the most important thing is to have fun,
0: have fun. yes definitely definitely Perfect. thank uh, you so much bruce's final good. words were if you enjoy your job, you enjoy your life. Is that true, Bruce? Thank you very much. Well, that was Bruce right there. And as you heard, I mean... It's it's pretty cool for me because, I mean, it feels like all of these things interlink. There's this one guy who started his commune thing, 200 people that he was managing. It felt like managing a hotel as well. Then there's Bruce on the other side, pretty much also with the same type of admin-intensive type of hustle. But uh, it can all work out for people who put one foot in front of the other and just keep on going. I'll probably try and share more of my, my insight in terms of my book and all these things that I'm doing. Uh with the shows as they carry on. So, you know, you can always look forward to listening to the podcast and you'll hear another little page or two of my up and coming book that i will release one day and it will be a bestseller and i'll be huge but for now there's a a a couple of uh, a a couple of great things that are happening in my life you'll also get to know about those a little bit later i've got this uh, one thing right here that i need to just make an announcement of from sunlam what if you were told you were going to live to 200 years old as Sunlam turns 100, they are looking ahead to the future. The 200-year-old is a future-facing podcast based on leading science, featuring the voices of uh, Nambita and uh, Tapelo. Um, that's, of course, Tapelo Mukwena. It's the story of Daba, told in the year 2,218. It's a podcast that pulls back the curtains to the world of the future. Visit the200yearold.co.za to listen or find out more on cliffcentral.com. So check that out. It's also something really, really dope. And I, I think it's really cool that we, you know, we, we, we think of the future in that way. So that is all from me. This is of course the shortest hour of the day and it happens like this every single time right here. I'm CliffCentral.com.
1: This is CliffCentral.com.